Welcome to another episode of Dating Intentionally. I'm your host, Talia, aka your dating app partner in crime. If you're new to the show, welcome. On Dating Intentionally, I'm helping you create meaningful connections in a way that is truly aligns with your goals and values while having a great time because dating can be fun. Don't believe me? Keep listening because this episode is all about timelines in dating. So specifically, I'm going to be talking a lot about my timeline with my boyfriend, GB, who I've been dating for a year as of this recording. By the time it comes out, it'll be a full year. So in this episode, I'm going to share a bit about different milestones in the beginning of a new relationship that you can keep in mind. I'll talk about healthy ways to think about timing in a relationship that both supports your needs and maintains a certain level of openness. And for the bulk of this episode, I'll just kind of walk you through how each milestone played out in my relationship with GB in honor of one year together. If you're new, GB stands for Green Bubble because he has an Android and I have an iPhone like a normal person. Just kidding. And our texts are green. It also could stand for Great Boyfriend or Great Beard because, well, he has a great beard. First, let's talk about timelines in general. When I say timeline, I mean the pacing of how your relationship progresses. It's the timing of when you first decide to become exclusive, when you decide to have sex for the first time or kiss, when you start talking about moving in together or other serious topics. I want to say up front, there are no rules for this. What I'm going to share in this episode is based on what I see with my friends, my own dating experience, what I hear from the community on Instagram at dating.intentionally in books I've read, and as well as other experts that I follow. So take it with a massive grain of salt. This episode could also be very validating to you if you feel like you like a certain pace, but other people think it's way too fast or way too slow. Ultimately, you're going to find a pace in relationships that works for you and the other person. Consider this episode as a jumping off point or maybe something to try on and experiment with. You make the rules for your dating life and you can change them at any time. So let's talk about some of the milestones you could pay attention to in dating or not, because again, some of this might matter and some of it won't. One, the talking stage. So this is when you're first getting to know each other. It's usually the first few dates or can, you know, that's kind of considered the talking stage. There's no relationship or commitment at this point. You're just feeling each other out. Another milestone, first kiss, self-explanatory. Generally, this would happen in the first three dates, but again, maybe longer depending on the situation. Another milestone, a big one, is exclusivity. Some people don't agree that this counts as a milestone or they think exclusivity is the same thing as defining the relationship, but I have a different take. I think that exclusivity comes earlier than labels like boyfriend-girlfriend because it's kind of a step towards that. Like You will only see each other generally before you decide to have labels, Exclusivity means intentionally not seeing other people or being available to other people as you focus on getting to know one person. For someone like me, who generally dated multiple people at once before exclusive, this step mattered. But if you date one person at a time, I can see how this matters less. Okay, obviously another one is sex. It depends, you know, this again, a big, it depends one because everyone has different values and comfort levels when it comes to sex and timing with someone new. I think in today's dating culture, from what I know, and for the most part, this typically happens from the first date to maybe when you decide to come official or beyond. My take is that waiting until you're exclusive is ideal 
for this milestone of having sex for the first time. And that could be at least five dates in, ideally more. And I have a whole episode about why. It's called How to Navigate Sex in Early Stage Dating if you want to go back and listen to it. Then we can get to using labels or defining the relationship on social media. You will see this as DTR. This means using the words boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, or whatever else you want to use. You're basically saying, we are a couple now. You are publicly sharing that you're dating. You're committed you know, to each other. If you're doing the monogamy thing, you're an item. I would say this generally happens around two to three months of dating someone consistently and intentionally. And if you've been dating for three months and they still won't define the relationship and like you bring it up and they don't want to talk about it, don't wait anymore and just move on. Another big one in early dating is meeting family and friends. This could happen within the first month of dating or way later, depending on your and their relationships and how close they live to their friends and family. I'm not super close with my dad and he lives on the other side of the country. So GB didn't meet him until 10 months in. But I met his sister on our fifth date. So this one's pretty flexible. It also depends on how serious it is to bring someone home to meet the family. In some cultures, it's no big deal. And in other cultures, it's a huge deal. And another one to pay attention to that people really care about is saying I love you. If this comes too early, too late, or not at all, that can be a huge red flag. It's pretty typical to feel in love and express that love to someone that you've been intentionally dating consistently after maybe three months. But every relationship is a little different. I think three months is when it starts to become more safe to say it if you actually feel it. But if it takes a little longer, that's okay too. I think those are some of the big milestones in early dating, things that will probably happen within the first one to six months of a new relationship. Obviously, there are more. Let me know what I missed. You can write to me on Instagram at dating.intentionally. So let's talk about what having a healthy mindset around timing looks like. I'm sure if you're listening, you're probably very aware that of, of a lot of these milestones. And I think a big one people get really focused on in early dating is defining the relationship. This can truly feel like a race to the finish line in the dating process. I guess being able to get to a point with someone where you're defining the relationship means that you were quote unquote successful in dating, at least on paper. Hopefully when you get there, it's with someone you respect, who respects you, that you like, and with someone who can meet your needs as a partner. Don't just get into a relationship to be in a relationship. I completely get the urge to want to know where you stand in the relationship and define it ASAP. And it's normal to feel that way. But keep checking in with yourself if you find that you just keep thinking about the future and what's next. Check in to see if you really feel like you know this person well enough to be thinking about that next step and if you feel safe in the relationship. I feel like sometimes we get carried away and swept up in the momentum before we really consider compatibility, value alignment, practicality, and other factors that affect having a positive, sustainable relationship. Whenever I got or still get caught up in thinking about the next milestone, which for me at this point is moving in together and engagement, I remind myself that we don't get to do this part over again. This is the part of the relationship that I'm in now where we don't live together. We're still in the honeymoon phase. We have our own completely separate spaces. And it's really nice to have that and be in a committed relationship. So I always bring myself back to the present. I hope this helps if you're constantly thinking ahead. Try to ground yourself in now versus just thinking about what's next. All right. So for the rest of the episode, I'm going to be talking about how the pacing and timeline played out with my relationship with GB. So buckle up. 
I'm going to give you the whole story. And I want to start with where we are right now. In a few days, we're going to Hawaii to celebrate our one-year anniversary just a little early. We signed a lease on the three-bedroom home together, and we're supporting each other through major professional transitions. We're in such a solid place where we can communicate, have fun, tackle challenges together, and plan for the future with ease. I am so in love with him, and I know he feels the same about me. But how did we get here? Let's get into it. All right, let's go back. It is June 30th, 2022. I am in Hawaii. I am coming off of a kind of like dramatic, I wouldn't say breakup, falling out with someone I had been dating for a month. We nicknamed him the fisherman. And you can go listen to that story in my podcast episode about how to define your needs. And I was on Hinge. I was just swiping away and I saw GB's profile. And I remember seeing that he was in Seattle. He has a PhD. His profile mentioned like audiobooks, movies, TV, and other stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to have stuff in common. So I reached out to him first and I asked him what he was listening to. And he like messaged me back within like an hour. We chatted on and off on Hinge for a whole week, which is unusual for me, but I allowed it since I was in Hawaii. And I remember being like, hey, I'm kind of going off the grid for the holiday weekend. It was like 4th of July. I'll let you know when I'm back. And of course, like I didn't, like I totally forgot about the conversation, but he followed up and he was like, hey, you're back. So we traded numbers and I asked him when we could meet for a date. And then he revealed his big secret that (laughs) he actually was not in Seattle at that time. At this point, GV had secured a job and an apartment in Seattle, but he was still in California, like getting ready to move to Seattle. So he threw out the idea of a Zoom date. And I remember getting that text, rolling my eyes and being like, okay, why not? And saying yes. (laughs) So we had our first Zoom date. And my first impression of him was that he is confident, maybe a little cocky, super smart, very funny. I cannot for the life of me remember what we talked about, but I'm sure that we discussed very general first date stuff like family, siblings, where we are in our careers. I think I had asked him about his PhD and grad school and his job, like stuff like that. We talked for a solid hour and then I actually went on a date after that Zoom call. Like I was like, okay, perfect. I can get ready for this date, have this Zoom date and then go out. And that was our first Zoom date. And honestly, like I did not expect to hear back from him after that. Like, I don't know. I just, you know, he was the 56th person I had a first date with. So at that point I was like, he, he's never going to reach out to me again, like whatever. But he did. And we had another Zoom date and we had a couple phone calls too within that first month of us talking. I want to say that I texted him first after each date, like Zoom date. And he still liked me. Could you imagine? Ladies, if you're interested, show interest. I wasn't not interested, but I wasn't super excited about it because he wasn't in Seattle yet. So I just like couldn't make up my mind yet. And I wanted to give him a chance, but I was just very neutral. But I did text him after being like, that was fun. You know, thanks again. And nothing bad happened. So when in doubt, like you can text them after the date. Meanwhile, I later heard that GB was very excited after these Zoom dates. Like he was telling his friends about me and stuff like that at that point. So I obviously did not get that vibe from him. I don't know if he was playing it cool or he's just a pretty chill dude as is. So that first month when he was in California and I was in Seattle, 
we had two Zoom dates, two phone calls, and we texted not every day, but maybe every couple of days. And I went back and read the text. They were very surface level, like chit chat, small talk, nothing too deep and nothing, no, no long conversations. It was like maybe five to 10 minutes sometime during the day. And then that's it. Looking back, like I like that. That was so nice. It was like this quiet persistence. He, I didn't feel like he was trying to be demanding of my attention or that he was blowing me off. Like, And I also matched his consistency on that. So also during this month when he was still in California and I was in Seattle, I was still dating other people. I went on several first dates. I think I even went on like six dates with someone else. And he didn't know or we didn't talk about it. It didn't come up. Before our first in-person date, he did reveal to me that I was the only woman he was talking to. And honestly, I was surprised. So we got to our first date. This is a month after our first Zoom date. And we went to Fremont Brewing, which is a great beer garden here in Fremont. It's one of my favorite first date spots. And I remember before we like met at the brewery, I texted him. I was like, we can bring our laptops if you want that, if you want to make us feel more comfortable. And he thought that was really funny. We were just joking like right from the beginning. I remember when we got beer, we both like you order at the counter and you bring your beer to where you're sitting. And we order our beer and like no one makes a move for the wallet. So I just turned to him and I said, oh, I expected you to pay. And (laughs) looking back, like I was so embarrassed that I did that, but I just like kind of panicked and just didn't know what to do. So he paid. And looking back, I should have paid because it was my suggestion to go to the brewery, whatever. So we remember we had one drink. I'm a one drink gal. I'm a lightweight. So we then walked around and got boba (laughs) and I paid for the boba. I think we were even at that point. And I remember like on that date, he and I had a very pleasant time, a very nice conversation. We hugged but didn't kiss after the date. And I remember just kind of being like, okay, like that was fine. And at that point, again, I was experienced in dating. So I knew I was going to give him a second date. I had no reason to not. Nothing in that first date came up as a red flag. Our second date was a couple of days later. We got tapas and he met my dog, Coconut, and I brought her to the restaurant and she was actually very well behaved. <laughs> I remember like, you know, eating with someone. It was very comfortable. We had our first kiss and it was surprisingly good. Like I remember I was walking to my car and he kind of pulled me. I was like, okay, here it comes. Like I don't, I, I don't know if I was really looking forward to it, but I was like open. And then after we kissed, I was like, oh, okay, that was way better than I expected. I remember feeling very frustrated after our second date because at that point we had been talking and getting to know each other for six weeks, but I wanted to talk about deeper things. I'm like, ugh, like I need to crack this guy open. (laughs) You know, I wanted to get into deeper things and not talk about surface level things anymore. So we planned a third date and I definitely had to psych myself up for this one because I was so kind of like over talking about small talk things. We planned sushi and he also found a comedy show. So I planned the sushi. He planned the comedy. Want to note that by the time it's the third date, like I'm happy to collab with someone on the ideas. Tapas was his idea. So like, you know, you take turns, you balance it out. And finally, on this third date, the spark appeared. Okay. No, I did not feel any sparks up until this point. So this is like over six weeks of talking. This is after two Zoom dates, a couple phone calls, and two dates. This is when I felt the spark. I've talked about this in the past, but GB is not traditionally who I used to go for physically. He is skinny. He's tall. He has long red hair that he usually wears in a ponytail and a beard. And I usually went for like stockier, more muscular, like very clean cut guys. 
And I want to say just because he wasn't my physical type does not mean I thought he was unattractive. Just like, I'm like, I recognize this is an attractive human being, but it's not normally the person I feel immediate desire for. And there's a difference. There's just a difference. And I've talked about this. There's a whole podcast episode about attraction you can go find on my page. So the spark, back to this great date. So we had sushi, we walked to the comedy show. And I remember after sushi was when I'm like, okay, I got to grill this guy. I started to ask him questions about his ambitions, his career, what he wants in life. And he was very open with me and he shared. I'm like, okay, cool. If I'm direct with this guy, I can get this information out of him. And I remember feeling really good after that conversation. So I remember also we were waiting in line and just the way we were standing across from each other waiting in line, I felt very comfortable in his presence and I liked the attention he was giving to me. And that's when I really felt that like desire and that connection that I was missing. The comedy show ended up being so fucking crazy. I can't even describe how wild it was. And it wasn't the comedian. The comedian did a great job, but there was just like some characters in the audience who took over the show completely. One of those, you have to be there kind of things. But I was straight up crying in the club. Like, I don't think I've ever cried so hard at a comedy show. And not because the comedian was so funny, just these characters were so weird. So I think having an experience like that, where you're not just like sitting across from each other in interview mode can really build intimacy and connection in early dating. And I think that worked for us. After the date, we made out in his car. And then the next morning, he sent me a playlist. And I was like, okay, I like him. And that's that's what it took. And at that point, I was still going on first dates. I was still seeing one other person. But I think that week after I was like, okay, I like him. Those first dates were so bad. The universe was like, no, 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 go focus on this dude. So then we had our fourth date. He told me straight up that he wants to be in a relationship with me. And how that came up was like, I was like, don't you want to date other people in Seattle? Like you just got here. Don't you want to sample the city? And he was like, no, I want to be in a relationship with you. And that kind of put some pressure on me. I was like, okay. I felt like at that point I needed to make a decision because I didn't want to waste his time. So then by our sixth date, I was just kind of like, okay, I need to go into this date with questions about what kind of relationship he's looking for. I want to tell him what my needs are in a relationship. And I mentioned the podcast episode earlier, how to define and discuss needs where you can listen to what they are. On this date, I made a point to talk about what I'm looking for in a relationship. And we talked about attachment and I, he didn't know what attachment was. So he looked it up in front of me, like he pulled up the book and he bought it. Like if there was ever a massive green flag just waving, that was it. <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, not only is this person open to learning about like something to do with relationships and growth, but they're going to actually dive into the content and read about it. Huge green flag. And after the sixth date, that was when I decided to stop seeing the other guy I'd been seeing. His nickname was Blue Bubble because <laughs> at, at that point, it was just down to GB and BB, right? So Blue Bubble, we nixed him. And also on the sixth date, which was at my place, I cooked him dinner. We fooled around. We did not have sex. And I t- also told him about my timeline, you know, like just what I was looking for in a relationship in general. Then seventh date. So this is probably like three weeks after our first date in person, we did a bakery crawl. And this is something that I had signed up for like two months prior and got two tickets for. One of my favorite things to do 
when I was dating was just to find events, buy two tickets, and just whoever I was seeing at the time was going to go with me. It worked out really well. So we did this baker call. And then after that, we did have sex. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Matchmaker Maria, but go look her up. Matchmaker Maria has the 12 date rule for sex. And basically she counts like FaceTimes and phone calls as dates too. She counts long dates as two dates. You know, like she has these rules. And without even really knowing what Matchmaker Maria's 12 date rule is, we pretty much follow that naturally. So we had sex three weeks after our first in-person date and almost two months after matching. That's how long I waited. I waited until I knew I liked him. I knew where he stood with me and what I wanted my intentions were with him. So I'm really glad I waited that long. At this point, we have been seeing each other once or twice a week, depending on our schedules with travel. We talked every day via text or on the phone. I don't think we've gone a day without talking since our first date. So this is a man who will call me on the phone the second he gets into his car after we've hung out all weekend, and I love that. I shared with him early on before we became exclusive what my timeline is for moving in, engagement, and marriage. And I shared it with him in the context of talking about what I learned from my past relationships. So this wasn't like, here's my plan for us. It was like, here's my plan for me. I told him like, okay, next time I'm in a committed relationship, TBD, I will be open to two years of dating max before engagement. And if at that point we still don't know about each other, we're going to break up. I didn't say any of that in the context of me and GB dating. Just that was what I wanted for my next relationship. And if he wasn't on board with that, he could have walked. He could have, you know, let me know. But he understood where I was coming from. And this is the thing about setting the standard for pacing and timing in a relationship. I forget who, I think on Instagram, I think Create the Love is the account that talked about this. But it's like, think of yourself like a bus. And you have a bus route. You know where the stops are. And people can get on the bus. And if they don't like your route and the stops you're making and the time that you're making them, they can get off the bus. That's kind of how I went into this. Like, this is my desired timing for a relationship. Obviously, I'm open to input, but like I knew from my past experience, I did not want to wait more than two years. Like if you've dated someone for two years, you're in your 30s and you still don't know if you want to marry them. That's just a no. Like don't waste each other's time. So we kept seeing each other consistently and became official with labels and everything in early September. So that was two months after our first date. He was the one who led this conversation. He brought up like calling me his girlfriend a few times and I was like, whoa, whoa, slow your roll. And I kind of made him wait. And I asked him the other day how long he would have waited for me. And he said that the idea of waiting for me didn't even cross his mind. Like he was just that confident that I was going to wake up and and realize how amazing he is. And obviously I did. So he gave me space with that. So after we became official, I started feeling anxiety, more from just being at this stage with someone new after working so hard in the dating process and working to heal from past wounds. You know, GB wasn't doing anything to trigger my anxiety. This was just coming from like, wow, I haven't been here in a while, you know, and it just felt scary. And we worked through it. You know, we did talk about it. And I've been in therapy this whole time kind of working through that. So a month after we became official, uh, I said, I love you first. I said it on the phone. And then he said it back a few days later. And that was after just over three months of dating. So you can see like 
one month we became exclusive, two months we used labels, three months I said, I love you. And then at four months, we took our first international trip together to Italy. And we had our first like pretty significant conflict shortly after that. I remember I brought up this to him. My line is like, I have something on my mind, like I want to talk about. And I went into that conversation ready to end it based on how that played out. I think when you are in early dating and you realize something about the person you're seeing, because there are certain things that are only going to be revealed after a couple of months of getting to know someone, right? And it goes both ways, obviously. But you've got to go into these conversations like willing to risk the whole thing. Obviously, the conversation went really well. I was super impressed with his ability to listen, not get defensive. And he was like holding my hand the whole time. He was like physically engaged with me while I was sharing and expressing myself. It was like really magical moment for me that was so validating. So, you know, that was a really another massive green flag for me. And it was also around four months that we first started having relationship check-ins. If you want to learn more about relationship check-ins, there is a whole episode on that too and like how to do them. So in December, five months, I met his parents. He met mine. And he formally asked me to move in with him or move in together when we were able to. So we had been talking about moving in together hypothetically around four months. Like, what if we live together? Like, how would it be? Like, what kind of vibe we want with a live-in partner. And he was like, okay, well, when our leases are up, do you want to move in with me? So that was amazing. Someone also asked on Instagram, how long until you got to the comfy phase? And I think it was around five months. Like this is harder to pin down, but I think by winter, we were pretty comfy together. But that also comes with the fact that it's winter and you just want to be comfy, especially in Seattle. By the way, I'm going to do a whole episode on moving in together and having those conversations soon. So stay tuned for that. So I would say like we're at six months now. This is like January. We started having more deep conversations around timelines for engagement, marriage, starting a family, parenting, education, religion, weddings, and these more serious topics. And we've had many, many conversations over many months slowly and gradually about these things. And often they came up like kind of organically and intentionally. So in the time between December to now, so like the last six months or so, we've navigated various conflicts together. We've watched three and a half seasons of The West Wing. We've traveled a bunch. He's met most of my family friends on the East Coast and saw where I grew up. I've met pretty much all of his friends and family. We got a joint debit card together, which I'm obsessed with because it takes all the financial stress out of dating each other. We have a shared Google Calendar together now, and we're finally moving in together. So I know I kind of brushed over the last six months, but the truth is like after you get to a point where you are in a committed relationship, then you just get to feel that out and build that out. And that is the focus, right? The first couple months is really when you're like, are you the person I'm going to commit to now for this? Like we're going to try it out. And after you're both in it, you just get to be in it. And it's amazing. Not that the early part isn't fun either, but like it's just different. You know, there's more you have to kind of figure out before you decide you want to explore a relationship together. So what are some takeaways from this timeline? If you have any thoughts, please reach out to me on Instagram at dating.intentionally. I think things move pretty fast, but we both knew what we wanted. You know, he's 33, I'm 31, and the pace was comfortable for me. As someone who wanted to be very careful and thoughtful about this choice, like I know I put a lot into it. I'm really glad I went on that third date. And the early stage of our relationship hardly had any anxiety for me, and he didn't trigger me at all. He is so good for my nervous system. 
I want to reiterate again, there's no perfect way to pace a relationship. And all these milestones will come at different times for most of us. The way my relationship unfolded this year is not a measuring stick. And I thought it'd be fun to share this story because I worked so hard to get into a healthy, sustainable relationship like the one I'm in now. And since it's been a year, I can do that fun reflection. So a couple of questions came up on Instagram. I'm going to answer three of them. Someone asked me, do you believe in the saying, when you know, you know? And my answer is, I do not believe in this statement, at least not for me. In my experience, I nailed down what I needed in a partner and went out and I sought out someone who embodied that. I also think when it comes to finding the one, finding them is only part of the battle. The other part is deciding they're the one. I think in long-term relationships, it's less about knowing and more about choosing. You have to choose each other every day, even as you evolve and change as individuals within the relationship. I think the knowing part is knowing yourself and knowing what you want. Someone asked, what was your honest first impression of him versus now? So my first impression of him was that he's a jokester. He's a little cocky, but I like that. I mean, he has a PhD and he should be proud of it. I didn't get the sense of his emotional intelligence and capacity for empathy until a few months in. He has repeatedly, consistently shown up as a very emotionally aware and empathetic person. I don't know if I'll ever get over it. Like, I love that about him. But that was definitely not apparent in the first couple dates. The last question is, what have you and GB overcome since meeting? So in the beginning, there were definitely moments where he would make jokes or do something playful that crossed a boundary. He never intentionally meant to make me feel uncomfortable. And he was super receptive to my request to make adjustments on that. So that's something we've overcome. Within the last year, we both experienced major career changes. I sold my company and he's in his own transition in his field. So we've weathered that together and both of our experiences were really hard and full of anxiety. So we had to be there for each other through that. Another thing that comes to mind is that I have gone through some major healing processes throughout this year in our relationship, like just healing my relationship insecurity, my attachment insecurity. And GB has been there every step of the way, taking in stride, making space for me and just staying open. Oh, and then there was also the time where I met his family on Christmas without him because he was stuck in Seattle due to weather. So that's just four things we've gone through this year (laughs) that I could not have predicted. I really hope you enjoyed this discussion about pacing and relationships and my year in review. It's so fun to share this with you, and I really love sharing my experience with the goal of helping others. And I'm excited to jump back into weekly regular recordings in a month or two. As I'm recording this episode, I'm finishing my last week of work at the company I just sold. We're about to go to Hawaii and move in together, so there will be a lot to discuss. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, or leave a review wherever you're listening to podcasts these days. Your feedback means a ton to me and helps me make this podcast as helpful as possible. Please reach out to me on Instagram at dating.intentionally and I'll catch you next time. 